for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Well, we got a lot going on. In fact, Matt Zimmer just mentioned to me that he is busy as shit. So uh, he is uh, gracious enough to spend a little time to talk about the things he's busy with and uh, other things. There's a lot on the docket here. It's a very interesting time as we have record cold temperatures outside. We have uh, football, like actual football games in the FCS, the Jacks opening up this weekend, pitchers and catchers report for spring training so we could talk a little twins. There's a couple weeks left in the Summit League before the Summit Tournament in three weeks and one week left in the Northern Sun. And uh, Tom Brady's getting drunk and uh, Lombardi Trophy, uh, Silversmith people are getting mad at him throwing the trophy around. Uh, there's a lot to get to, and I don't, I don't, I never liked doing this on radio shows, and we haven't done this once on a podcast, Zim, because I think it is an overplayed bit uh, on Twitter, on radio, anywhere you go, everywhere you go uh, in this part of the country, which is talking about the fucking weather. But I mean, it's pretty extreme, and I'm just guessing you've had, have you had, have you had something go awry, maybe with your dog or at your mm-hmm. house or anything like that lately, with the, how freezing it's been. <laughs> No, we've been really lucky. Um, you know, the furnace hasn't kicked out or anything like that and haven't been going anywhere. Um, I saw <clears throat> just today the Public Utilities Commissioner released a statement asking people to watch their energy usage just because, you know, the whole central part of the country, I guess, is under the same grid, essentially, and it's being taxed because places like Texas and Oklahoma that aren't usually, you know, having to turn crank up their furnaces are having to do so. So uh, we turned off some of the lights and turned down the thermostat a couple degrees to pitch in a little bit, but otherwise, so far, been lucky. And I mean, this is—I <clears throat> was just talking to uh, Rob Bishop, SDSU's baseball coach, today about the weather, and you know, he's been around this part of the country before, but not as long as I have. And he was like, "Is this normal? Like, like how often do you get like? I knew it was cold. I know there are days where it's cold, but like every day for two weeks being zero degrees, two degrees, five below, and." And I said, I wouldn't call it normal. I said, I can remember a couple other times, but, but this is this is pretty bad even for us. So, you know, and, and as you know, I spent time in Texas last spring about a year ago. It's eight degrees in Austin today. Mm. You know, it's wow. two below in Dallas. You know, there's blizzarding. Uh, Casey Sh- or Cody Schilling lives in Waco, I think. And I saw him post a picture on Facebook of having six inches of snow in his driveway. I mean, it's, this is crazy. I, you know, I, I can't say I've never seen anything like this because I see it all the time, but to see it stretching as far south as it is and all over the country, it is kind of wild. And you know, I believe uh, SDSU's basketball teams are busing back from Tulsa today uh, after they got essentially stranded in Oklahoma yesterday. Wow. Because, you know, they're not prepared for that kind of snow. So they, they couldn't fly back. They had to take a bus and wait an extra day. And it's fucking with everything. Yeah, like this would be the time of year. Gilbert and I someday want to go to Austin ourselves. Uh, like we'd take a trip there. And this would probably be like February or March, the time of year where we'd want to go, where it's still uh, pr- probably freezing or not um, ideal here. 
and uh, it, it, you'd think it's nice and warm down there. I've noticed we sometimes go to Phoenix at the end of March, early April-ish, and uh, they're immune to this. <laughs> My parents live there. It's 66 there today, those fuckers. But uh, yeah, <laughs> everywhere else. I, I, I just talked to a buddy. I just got off the phone with a, a buddy who, uh, who lives in Worthington, and, and he drove an hour to Sioux Falls today just to get on a golf simulator because he's doing a, a, a guy trip uh, with, with some of his friends to Phoenix, later this week <clears throat> so he's getting out of dodge right at the right time uh it made me well it, it made me think of you because i because i would find your answer to this question interesting and i'm talking about now at the age we are now which my friend is about the same age as us 40 42 whatever he's go, he's going on a guy trip uh him and uh i think he said eight other guys him and eight other guys <laughs> And it's a golf trip. They're going to go to Phoenix, and they're going to golf and drink. And that's pretty much all they're going to do. And they're renting a seven-bedroom house uh, with a pool and hot tub. Good. That'd be kind of, I think, something you'd want to get. And, uh, you know, and take the golf part out. I know you're not much of a golfer. But, like, a guy trip, even if you're staying in a seven-bedroom house, it's probably a massive house. Would you do this? I don't, I don't know if I'd do a guy trip with more than three other friends at any point in my life for the rest of my life. I'm just, I don't know if a guide trip would excite me the way it would when I was 20 or 30. I don't think a guide trip would ever excite me. <laughs> I didn't think it would either. I, I, let me quote the great Cameron Horton, who okay. once said, anyone who says bros before hoes usually has neither. <laughs> yeah. What would he be correct. Yeah. What would be your limit? If any, would you, would you go on like with two other guys like on you know to vegas or or whatever or, or oh, wherever I mean, you would consider fun me and three of my buddies go to a vikings game every year yeah. and it's a there's but that's one overnight yeah you know we we go on saturday night to bars and strip clubs and blow all our money and then sunday morning get up and have a hangover breakfast and watch the vikings game and drive home that's it, that's it, it. do you ever walk away from it going oh, i wish we would have stayed longer no, no. It's exactly the right amount of time for three, four married guys to spend together. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what would, what would uh, not be ideal about it having more than that and for more days? All of it. I don't need to spend that much time around other men, <laughs> other people, really, but yes. especially. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, wow. I just thought, and and, and and guys who do the the Vegas thing. Are you a Vegas guy? Never been there. Any desire? Uh, I don't know. Jen's been there multiple times, and she loves it. My okay. parents have been there multiple times, and they love it. This summer, we were all at our lake cabin, and Jen and my parents spent like an hour reminiscing about all their fun times in Vegas and talking about how great it was and kind of making it sound like they wanted to do that after the pandemic is over. So maybe I'll end up getting dragged there sometime, but I'm not like clamoring to go uh, by any means. Yeah. Again, once when I was like 21, 22, and that was a deal with like six or seven other dudes. And like five of us were in one hotel room and four of us were in another. And you know, we were some of us, not me. Some of us, some of them were up at all hours, gambling all night, whatever. And, and uh, yeah, like it was fun once, but whew, God, like that, I think anything more than three, once you get to about four guys, I think at that point, there's just the, the possibilities of, of stuff starting to happen that just isn't uh, very much fun where it's like, oh, this isn't as, as cracked up as we thought it would be. I think once you get to a fourth guy, you just start to get into, you know, disagreements and who knows. So, okay. 
And I was going to ask you also, since uh, it is cold and it is snowy outside, but way too cold to do this. Like I, uh, it's really, it's really cold in my old house right now. You know, I have an old house. That's how it's affecting me. It's fucking cold in our house. And uh, I think our heater heats working okay, but it still takes a little bit longer to heat things up. And I'm using space heaters and um, I want to go skiing before I get back to work. I've been, you know, like you the last few, several months, I've been working at home when I've had to work. And uh, I start going to the office with the Canaries a couple of weeks. And um, I don't know how much I'm looking forward to that on days like that. I think I'd be fine with it if it were warmer in there. But I want to go. I just want to spend the day going uh, skiing at Great Bear. And I was going to see if you wanted to do that on Wednesday. And then I checked, oh, it's going to be 12 degrees on Wednesday. So that's that's not going to happen. Is that something you ever do? Or want nope. to do? Nope. <laughs> Why? Just never. Have you ever skied? Nope. Never. No desire to? Nope. Oh, why not? Winter sports, as far as I'm concerned, don't really exist. Like <laughs> the idea of looking outside and seeing snow and being like, yeah, I want to go play in that. Like that's no, I have no, no. Okay. Skiing's fun if it's warm enough. I like skiing. It's been like 17 years since I've skied because I never live anywhere where, you know, there's like hills to do it and places to do it. That looks like the most miserable thing I can think of. Real? Oh, no, it's fun. It's fun. No, it's oh, no, it is. Not. You go down those hills, it's a lot of fun. It's you know what's fun? Sitting in the, the ski lodge drinking. That's fun. <laughs> okay. That's what I would do. Okay. I would put on my North Face gear and sit in there and drink beers and look out the window and watch good okay. skiers. All right. Go you want to go to Great Bear and, and, and just drink all afternoon one of these days? No. <laughs> Why not? You just said you would. Someday, not not this week. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, I know you're busy. So uh, one last uh, st- stupid cleanup item. Did you uh, did you enjoy? I know you guys are, don't go out much other than to like grocery shop. Did you do anything in special or any presents given or received for Valentine's Day with Jen and or yeah. Arthur? Yeah, um, Arthur and I got together and made Jen a Valentine's Day card that she liked very much. And we got her a stuffed animal and some candy. The The, the only thing is like Jen's birthday was last week and my birthday's what tomorrow, the day after. Oh, so with Valentine's Day being right in between, we kind of downplay it a little bit because if you would go like birthday, Valentine's birthday. So, but yeah, um, I think Jen especially appreciated that Arthur's kind of now old enough to, to understand it. <clears throat> he dictated, the message to me to write in the card and Jen liked that quite a bit. And Arthur is kind of now at that age where he kind of, you know, I think last year, last Christmas maybe was the first year he was old enough to kind of understand the concept of Christmas and like that he gets to open presents and everything. Yeah. And now I think at age four, he's grasped the concept of being able to give presents too, like, and, and get the same amount of enjoyment. Like you could, it was the first time I've ever seen him really sort of light up at, Oh, this is a thing I'm giving to my mom and watching her for her reaction. And so that was kind of neat. Okay. Very nice. Uh, turning 41 tomorrow or the day after. Yes, that's correct. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about your I hate, age? I hate it. Uh, those numbers just keep going up. Yeah, they do. I feel like I'm I... you there. I like I'm 60, but oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is it because you feel like your body's falling apart or you're closer to death or you just don't like those numbers? Nah, just, you know, I, you know, it's just weird because I think for our generation and the generations beneath us, millennials, whatever, it's just so much different than when we were kids. You know I mean? And you see, uh, 
you see all these memes on the internet of, you know, here's what Tom Cruise looks like at 55. And then here's what guys look like at 35 back in the fifties. And it's, it's just weird. You know, like when, when we grew up, people who were in their forties and fifties were old, Yes, you know, and now we get to that age. It's like, I don't feel old. Well, yeah, you're old to some degree, but uh, it's, I mean, have you seen some of those pictures of like Sparky Anderson? I think I yeah. posted it on Twitter the other day. Like, he had full on wrinkles and white hair when he was like 39 years old, you know, and <laughs> my, f- it's just a little troubling to see something like that and go, Oh, that's how old I am. Now. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes. I, realize I don't quite look like Sparky Anderson. Yeah. But still, you know. Well, I feel better about myself at 42, having seen the pictures of Kenny Stabler when he was in his forties and playing. He's with the another Saints. one. Yep. yep. If you've seen, uh, so you've obviously seen those and you put, and you juxtapose that with Tom Brady. That's the other deal is Tom Brady's our age. And like, he looks like he's 25. He he looks better than he did when he was twenty five. Well, he takes a little bit better care of himself than I do. He I, does. I'm not going to waste a lot of time comparing myself to him. Just a, yeah, just a tad. <laughs> did you did you find it endearing his uh, you know his little drunk walk that everybody saw after he got off the boat? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like he's kind of made this big deal out of how he has this perfect diet and regimen to keep himself in shape. But I think he's always been pretty open about like. Oh, except for when I win the Super Bowl, then I get drunk every time. Like I, I want to say it was a couple of years ago. He was carrying a beer around at a press conference or something, and people kind of gave him shit about it. And he was like, "What? You know, can I have a cheat day for fuck's sake? I just yeah. won the Super Bowl, and you know, the fact that he did it again. This good for him. Enjoy yourself, man. You earned it." Yes, we've all had those days out on the boat. Did you? Were you offended uh, by the by the Lombardi Trophy tossing as the uh, I, the daughter I, of the I'm, original silversmith? I'm more offended that USA Today or whoever it was made that a story yeah like it's just this one woman trying to get attention <laughs> acting pissed off like who gives a shit like you know and it i when i saw it on online it was like oh tom brady's in hot water no he's not he's not in hot water just because this one woman was offended by it which is stupid he's not in any trouble no one gives a shit who cares that was dumb yeah by the way uh one last thing on valentine's day so um you know gilbert my husband <clears throat> he is one of those people that every year claims he doesn't want anything for Valentine's Day. He's not a Valentine's Day person. He thinks it's stupid. And uh, yet anytime I ever have gotten him flowers or something uh, for Valentine's Day, he freaks out, you know. And then uh, yesterday, all of a sudden, he uh, just, you know, on a whim, of course, just a whim, he wanted to uh, go out to one of the wineries in the area and, uh, yeah, go have some wine and and have a pizza, which was delightful. I enjoyed it, but I said, wow, what a coincidence. Since on Valentine's Day, he's like, there's, there's nothing to do with it. I'm like, okay, sure. And I said, uh, you going to be wearing some red just because it's Valentine's Day? Just celebrate Valentine's Day? And uh, he said he wouldn't, and then he wore a red scarf. So. <laughs> you know when he says, I don't want anything for Valentine's Day, that's a test. Yep, You're of course. Being tested. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. But uh, didn't happen. <laughs> so he didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do it this year. I didn't get anything. As far as I know, I'm doing okay. All right. Good luck with that. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, are you? How excited are you about f- covering football? Uh, no, and I already know the answer. Knowing I know you well enough that I know what the answer is coming. And this is just a very personal. This I, I'm just talking purely on a personal Matt Zimmer level. Your excitement level for covering football, uh, a real college football season now in uh, late February. Oh, it's funny you say you know what I'm going to say because I'm not even sure how to answer. Um, I mean, I'm not not excited, you know. Uh, and the more, I, you know, I went to a few practices since they started up and, and 
each successive practice that I went to, I found myself getting more and more excited about it because it started to feel more and more real. You know, the first practice I went to, it's not like I was expecting them to be running around like idiots or anything, but I just was kind of taken aback by how business-like it felt. Like how much it was just like, wow, these guys are just right back to normal. You know, this feels just like a practice in October. Uh, and then coming back week after week, it's like, wow, this is this is happening. These guys are getting ready for a game. And that started getting me more excited. Now we're, we're essentially in game week, and uh, I'm pretty pumped about it. I'd be a little more pumped. I'm not going to the game on Friday. Uh, because with the seasons overlapping, you've got a Jacks game on seven o'clock at seven o'clock on Friday night. Uh, then the basketball teams are playing that night. Two really important games against North Dakota State. Then playing again the next night. With all that stuff going on, it's easier for me to just stay at home, watch all those games on TV, and cover them remotely. And we'll see how much I end up doing that. You know, I've been doing a lot of that during basketball season anyway. Uh, we'll probably have to do that for some other road games for football, which is a long way of saying. This isn't quite a normal football season. You know, if everything was normal circumstances, these games would all be on Saturdays. I'd be traveling with the team to mm -hmm. those games. Uh, and that would feel a little bit more like the routine that I've been in for the last 20 years or whatever. And that's really, really fun. That's probably my favorite part of this job. Um, but even though not, I won't be able to do that necessarily, you're still in that rhythm of the weekly routine, you know, the game on the weekend and then following up on the game, getting ready for the next game. I'll still be going to practice once a week. I still, to this day, it, it was true when I started in this job and 20 years later, my favorite thing is still just going to football practice. I just love going to practice and walk, walk, walking around for two hours and, and watching the different position groups and interacting with the players and coaches. And I'm really excited I get to do that again because I missed it in the fall. Um, but again, it doesn't quite feel the same. And because basketball is going on at the same time and because both of SDSU's teams are really good and in a in, in the playoff hunt with the possibility to go to the NCAA tournament, you know, those things are going to require a certain, you know, portion of my time. So it's going to be, you know, kind of have to, to divide myself up a little bit more than I normally would. Um, that's just going to be challenging for me and I'm going to have to figure out how to do it. Uh, but it's still going to be fun. I mean, these are, you know, football, men's basketball, women's basketball. Generally, those are the three kind of most fun things about being a college beat writer in South Dakota, and I get to do all three of them at the same time. Okay, that makes sense. Now, yeah, my answer, my prediction would be that you don't love it because you're having to cover basketball at the same time, but I guess if your workload is the same, you just can't do as much with bo with all of them as you would if they were the only things going on. Um, th then, because I'm just guessing you're... Uh, I'm guessing your workload isn't that much greater. You're just making the best that you can with with all the things going on and cover all the the, the ones that you can the best. Um, but okay, I also am a little surprised that the that that the traveling for those football games is your favorite part of the job because you've always been a guy who, at least when it comes to like vacations and free time, you don't love going much further than your lake. Uh, your your family lake cabin or the occasional t one one day and back twins or Vikings game, uh, so that does take me aback a little bit that you're uh, you know that you're bemoaning a little bit that you're not going to be going to to Cedar Falls Iowa and covering a game in the Unidome. What, well, it's what, just it's just a day, you know, yeah. uh, and you know a lot of those like the the drives, the UNIs, the North Dakota States, those are you know down and back in the same day. Yeah. That's a long day, but it's still fun. Okay. Um, and I like, you know, every year there was usually two or three overnight plane ride trips, you know, the ones out to Illinois. Mm -hmm. And those are fun too, you know. I mean, it, it, it can be – it's always a long night. 
you know, because even if it's a seven o'clock kickoff, we fly back after the game on Saturday night. So it's not uncommon to not get home till three or four in the morning. That part of it has always sucked. Um, but, you know, traveling there with the team on Friday, uh, usually the coaches and p- parents and families come down to the bar and have a few drinks on Friday night before everyone goes to bed. And that's usually a good time to just kind of, you know, shoot the shit with people and, and get to know them a little bit better and maybe find some things out. And, okay. You know, those those are always have, have always for me been some of the funnest parts of it. And, you know, going out to eat with Tyler and Jason and those guys, I mean, that, that's fun, you know, and. Um, I would again, kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier. I wouldn't want to do that for six days. You know, I'd get sick of those fuckers after a while, yeah. but if it's just for one weekend, you know, that's usually fun. Yeah. Plus I'm not, it's not my dime. So that's part of it too. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and it, well, that's the same thing with, uh, gosh, if they reach the NCAA tournament this year, I wonder, I wonder if you'll get sent. I wonder if you'll go either the Jacks men or women. Cause the men, I think everything's in Indy, right? Yeah. So... Do you know I mean, what's going to happen there? Because I'm guessing that's always been fun too. Going depending on where you go, these these NCAA tournament trips. Yep, those have been fun, and those ones, depending on how well they've done, you know, have have often at times taken a little longer. You know, when the Jacks women made the Sweet 16, I was in Syracuse for four or five days, uh, but that was fun. You know, it was yeah. a decent town to be in, and the weather was great. And so yeah, those things are fun too. Um, didn't get to go last year. I, I didn't miss it last year when I didn't get to go. It was nice to to not have to do that. Um, but you know, it, it, again, most people that, you know, to get to go to the NCAA tournament, that's not really, when I first started at the Argus, you know, SDSU had just gone division one. Nobody knew if they were ever going to make an NCAA tournament, let alone, you know, make it almost a yearly type of deal. Um, so the first time I got to go to a men's or women's NCAA, the division one NCAA tournament, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And now I've got to do it multiple times and it's fun every single time. And I would never, you know, turn down the chance to do it or not want to go or whatever. But if I don't go this year because of COVID or whatever, or because the Jacks just don't make it, that's fine. And you know, I, I can watch the games from home and you know, everything's weird this year. You know? Yes. I'm getting used to doing post game press conferences via zoom. And if I have to do that from my living room while, you know, AJ's on a, on a dais somewhere in Indiana, I can do it. That's the weird thing. And, and we'll get in. I, I want to get into a little bit of a, a preview of the football team and thoughts on the, the basketball team over the weekend. They had a little drama again, but um, I, I, I was thinking about this, like just for example, Nebraska, the, the men's basketball team. Yes, they have one. That's the joke I get all the time. Oh, I didn't know how they had a basketball team in Nebraska. Yeah. And they're terrible. And they lost 26 in a row in the big 10. They finally win a game in Penn state, which is I think the longest, uh, worst road trip. Anybody who regularly covers uh, Husker sports and goes to all the different Big Ten towns, they just it, it's just a drag to get to State College, Pennsylvania. But anyway, none of them went this time, obviously. And uh, but and and they're all doing. And I think a lot of them are doing the same thing you do. I mean, usually there's three or four beat writers going with the team to every game. And I'm talking men's basketball, which has never been that good, but they it's still a big enough deal that like and there's enough of a budget for the Omaha World Herald, the Lincoln Journal Star, to send their guys there. And I I, I doubt any of them are going. And um, it makes me wonder. Uh, you know, I've never lived the charmed life where I've gotten to really cover a team regularly on on the road anywhere. Uh, but I guess except for this year, uh, with what I've been doing with USF, but like not not at that scale. And uh, and I I wonder if it's ever going to go back. Like, are they going to send those guys back out on the road, or the are the editors and the bosses going to go? Well, you can just watch the game, and uh, you know, it's twenty first century. There's technology to to interview 
the coaches and players after the game? Why bother? Or do you think it's? Or do you, having done it a lot? Do you think it's an essential part of uh, covering a team it, when, when best case scenario? It's that's a a really really good and tough question um, because these are things that a lot of newsrooms around the country have been uh, wrestling with before COVID. Yeah, you know, um, back when Terry was the SDSU beat writer, you know, we would send him on the road for a lot of regular season basketball games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost never do that. You know, um, it's pretty much just home games. Maybe go to Fargo. Um, depending on how important the game is. Uh, but certainly I'm never like flying to IUPUI or IPFW or any of those. I mean, I know they're not in the league anymore, but, you know, Terry used to do that. And, you know, there was often a question like, that's awesome for him and for SDSU fans, but like, are we getting a return on our investment there? How much money it costs to, you know, hotels and plane tickets and stuff like that. And over the last few years, as our budget has obviously had to shrink, as our newsroom has shrunk and all those other things, then you start talking about, okay, you know, yeah, we're going to, definitely fly and, and get hotel rooms for the NCAA tournament. But, you know, what about regular season football games? And the last few years, the Jacks have been loaded every year and been, you know, a national championship contender. So I've been going to almost every single game home and away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't go to every uh, USD game. Uh, Augustana, you know, used to be if they were in the NCAA tournament and the other someone was available, we would go wherever they were. We don't do that anymore. Um, you know, even when they were in the national championship, we kind of hemmed and hawed about sending Ian out there when he was still, when we had an Augustana beat writer mm-hmm. at the time, you just have to keep making those decisions. And, uh, before COVID I was already telling some friends, you know, like any, and even I told steak at time, I was like, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to get to keep going on the road with you guys. At some point I would imagine that will be cut from the budget. I hope it isn't, but yeah. it's certainly a possibility that it will someday. And now, like you just said, that's a very good observation. I think probably every newsroom everywhere is going, yeah, it's great to send these guys there, but do we have to? Because think of the money you're spending. The plane plane ticket is usually the big expense, mm. you know, but then obviously, you know, a, a hotel room and meals and all that kind of stuff. And again, you, you know, ostensibly the reason you're going out there is so you can be present for the press conference because, yeah, you can watch the game on TV. But if now you have a, an avenue into the press conference from your living room, then it's like, you know, everything's taken care of for you. Now, you know, the counter argument you asked me is, it's, is there still value in actually going on the trip when you can still do all those other things? There is. And I just sort of alluded to it earlier. You know, all that sort of background stuff that you get, you know, when you're uh, with the team in the airport lobby or when you're, you know, loading the buses with them or standing on the runway waiting to get on the plane or, you know, that Friday night when players are, are visiting with they have a family hour on Friday night before curfew. And, uh, you know, I always try to be around for things like that. Um, in partly because Steg allows me to be around for stuff yeah. like that, but it's a great way to, to get to know people. And, you know, none of that is ever, I'm never really reporting, you know, I don't take things from those, from those scenarios and, and put them directly into stories. It's all essentially off the record. Uh, but it's a great way, um, to get people to trust you, to get to know people, to develop contacts, you know, to get to know the players on a personal level, to get to know their parents, uh, to get to know the assistant coaches, to get to know the assistant coaches' mm-hmm. wives, you know, all those mm. sorts of things. And um, I have, a at this point, six years of, of covering the Jacks football team home and away. You know, I know just about everybody. And uh, and I it's not just them. I know their wives. I know their kids. I, you know, I know some of the players' parents. And I do think there's a value to that. But the question is, is that value, you know, worth whatever – a media organization is spending to send somebody on the road and put them in a hotel and put them on an airplane and everything. And, you know, I think we all know if you're the person in charge of, you know, 
keeping track of the money, I think we all know what decision they're going to make on that something like that. Yeah, now you guys know the life Craig Maddox and I have been living forever. We go to occasional games in town, but we're mainly just watching all of them and reading about them, and uh, and then we would go and do our show on you know throughout the week. But uh, uh, it's it's interesting though because you're in an interesting position because uh, you are a social person as much as you you know you say you'd hate you know multiple day road trips with with the dudes and stuff like that. Do you ever so? Um, has there, has there ever been any conflicts of interest just on your own part where, um, you know, I wouldn't say cozying up, but you are having some drinks with some of these coaches and assistant coaches and their wives and you're befriending them. And, um, is there any part of you that, uh, that, that, that feels like there's some sort of line to be drawn between that and, uh, Mr. Reporter? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, a couple of years ago, one of the coach's wives sent me a pretty nasty message on Twitter Oof. that was kind of implying like, you know, you act like you're everybody's friend and then you write this or whatever. Mm. Yeah. First of all, what I had written wasn't even especially, you know, it was just they had lost the game and I had written a story that was like, hey, they got the crap out of them. They didn't play well, whatever. And um, I didn't respond to it because, you know, my guess is she wrote it in the heat of the moment, was fired up and probably later regretted it. and hopefully didn't even tell her husband that she wrote it. Cause I'm sure he'd be really mad at her if he knew about it. Hmm. Um, and things like that happen on occasion, but you know, I think most people, uh, understand what my job is. And also, you know, I've, I, I feel like I'm pretty much, I feel like I'm the kind of person that what you see is what you get. I, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I'm ever being misleading towards anyone. You know, hmm. I think if, if you read my stuff and follow me on Twitter and all of these people do, you know, I think they have a pretty good idea of where I'm coming from and that I'm not someone who's going to sugarcoat things or try to, you know, cover it up for them if they play bad or someone gets in trouble or anything like that. Um, you know, and, and on the flip side of it, you know, I've, I've always resisted the idea that because you're a reporter, you, you can't be a human being, you know, yeah. that you're supposed to be this robot that, oh, no, I can't do this bullshit. You know, I, I, I feel like I've had a lot more... I've gotten a lot more out of my job by being good and decent to other people yeah. and being, being friendly to them, you know, extending the hand to them and saying, yeah, you know, I'll buy you a beer or yeah, you know, we can whatever, uh, rather than, than, you know, saying like, Oh no, I can't sit next to you at a restaurant because that's a con that's bullshit. Yeah. You know, I, I don't buy that. And, and I've always tried to be as, as much of an open book of who I am as a person. Uh, because I think part of the reason so many people, hate the media whether it comes to politics or sports or whatever is because they they sometimes lose sight of the fact that that person in the media whether it's a tv talking head or a writer or, or whoever is a person you know and i think if you show people that you're a person and try to relate to them as a person and talk to them like a person uh it makes it a lot easier on both of you when you're in that mode of the professional relationship yeah, well said. I have uh, I have one story from the road. This is back in my college days, because because back in my college days at the University of Nebraska, every now and then we'd get to go cover road games for certain teams. And uh, at the time, I was covering the women's basketball team was a beat of mine. They were a top twenty five team, and they went down to Oklahoma, who was like a top ten team. And this was late in the year, uh, so uh, and I went down there with the beat writers from the Omaha World Herald and the Lincoln Journal Star. And so we were in this uh, four door sedan, uh, long drive, like eight hours to Norman, Oklahoma. Anyway, the, the the Huskers get blown out, and their head coach at the time was Paul Sanderford, who was a really uh, heavy and gruff fella, but uh, he was really good with the reporters. He was, uh, 
He was, he was a fairly cool guy, but he was a grumpy guy. And if his team was playing bad, he would get super grumpy and he wouldn't have any problem calling out any of the players on his team. And he would tell it like it is. And mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, we, we're, uh, we're writing our stories after the game. I don't really have to write my story because I'm at a college newspaper and it's a Saturday mm-hmm. and the paper doesn't come out till Monday. But um, the other two are really hacking away. And <laughs> one of the assistant coaches, his name is Jeff Walls. He's now the head coach at Louisville. He was a young assistant at Nebraska. Nebraska, and uh, we're in the pre- we're in the press room, and they had pizza for us after the game. And he ke- he comes in there. I don't know what the hell he's doing in there because coaches usually didn't come in the press room. But he came in there, took a piece of pizza, and he was just uh, you know these other two writers are clacking away, and he just said, "Why don't you just write this ass whooped?" and uh, and he kind of chuckled. And I that, that's so that's how, that was my lead for the story, except for <laughs> except for. I got I, I, my memory got mixed up after the eight hour drive, and I, I I recalled it was Sanderford, the head coach, who actually said that. Um, but that was yeah, that was my lead that we were writing this story about how they got their ass whooped, and uh, and the coach just said, "Why don't you just write that we got our ass whooped?" And then uh, apparently Sanderford read that that I had said that he said that, and then well, he, if he said the wrong guy. That's a pretty big mistake. It is a big mistake, but uh, <laughs> but I, I I got word back. I don't know if it was from him or somebody else that was like, "Did I say that?" I don't even think I was in the room and but like nobody nobody cared nobody called me or anything which uh oh, that's good that's good yeah um and maybe maybe i did correctly identify the coach i don't know but um yeah it's little it's little moments like that where you don't get you're you're not quite sure is this on the record is this off the record is this because this is fun this adds context to the story that i was there and stuff but um it's uh it's a difficult line to walk but it sounds like you walk it pretty well so you have been going to these uh, SDSU football practices, uh, and I, I, this could be any year where I could ask this, but I don't know. Before the season starts, obviously you know who is back, maybe what the team is uh, picked to, how the team is picked to finish based off of who is back, and obviously this is a squad that for about the last five years has been one of the top ten teams in the nation, but uh, you know, how good do you feel they are? What have you What have you noticed in practice? What can we What can we expect, or what are you really excited to see based off of what you've seen in practice? Oh, hold on, hold on. Sorry, I disconnected you for a second. Uh, hold on. Okay. There we go. You there? Yeah. What okay. did you do? Uh, the The connector from my uh, mixer to to the phone, so you can be recorded, got divided. Uh. Anyway, go ahead. Um, well, they they look like they should be really good at everything for sure, except throwing the football. That's the main question mark. Uh, their defensive line should be really, really good. Uh, they lose Christian Roseboom at linebacker, but they're still pretty solid there. Logan Backus is really good. Levi Brown, if he's healthy, is pretty good. There's some other guys there. Secondary is a bit of a question mark. They're loaded at safety. Cornerback is a little bit of a question mark, but they do got some experience. Anyway, defense should be pretty darn good. On uh, the offense, I like their offensive line. I don't think it's kind of got the North Dakota State, like, okay, you got five dominant dudes here across the board, but they've got a lot of experience and depth. Uh, I, I just think that is a, has a chance to be an underrated unit. And obviously at running back with Pierre Strong coming back, then you add a couple other dudes, Isaiah Davis and Jordan Meacham. Jordan Meacham's already had a 1,000-yard season in FCS at Sacred Heart. Um, so they're loaded there. They're super loaded at tight end if they can stay healthy. Uh, I mean, just four or five guys at that position that can really, really be good. Zach Hines, I think, um, the Washington kid who missed most of last year with an injury, 
I think he has NFL potential, and so do a couple of those other tight ends. So that leaves quarterback and wide receiver, and those are two pretty big positions. Now, wide receiver, they're supposed to have Kay Johnson back. The COVID thing happens. He just took off for the NFL, and I think he's going to get drafted. Uh, that was a, I think, don't blame him at all for making that decision, but that's a big loss because now wide receiver, you've got all of a sudden the Yankee twins are essentially your one and two, you know, and those guys were walk-ons at one point, I think. Um, I don't think the plan was ever for them to be the number one and number two receivers, but that's where they are. And on top of that, you got a really big quarter, uh, question at quarterback. Uh, Jaboria Gibbs was pretty good last year before he got hurt. Keaton Heidi steps in after Cannon Nelson couldn't do it, basically. And I think Keaton Heidi played a lot better than everyone expected a true freshman to play. Uh, but that doesn't mean that necessarily he was ready to be that guy. And then sure enough, coming back this season, even after the long layoff, Heidi hasn't looked great. Gibbs hasn't looked great. Gibbs has been hurt a lot, hasn't practiced very much. Neither one of them got enough reps to where all of a sudden Mark Gronowski, a true freshman, gets all the reps in fall ball and now has been getting most of the reps here in practice. He might end up being the starter. Uh, so And so whoever it's going to be is going to be someone who isn't terribly experienced. Um, so that's a big question mark. You got a, a passing game, essentially, quarterback, wide receiver, where it's not very proven. Okay. Um, I am, uh, my, my computer battery is running low and I don't know where the uh, charger is, which is just great. Yeah. It was very obvious. You were not listening to me as I was saying all that. That's because I was actually went downstairs (laughs) to look to where the fuck my charger is. And I'm starting to uh, worry that I left it at the Pentagon, even though I wrapped up every other piece of broadcasting equipment that I had. Uh, over the weekend, so... Um, well, how about we wrap it up here in the next couple minutes then, because I got shit to do. Okay, fine. Um, good. Well, were you surprised Northern Iowa uh, was picked ahead of SDSU? Not really, just in that, you know, they were a pretty good team last year. They got a lot coming back, uh, and they beat the Jacks in Brookings in that playoff game at the end. I mean, I, yeah. obviously North Dakota State is still right. a heavy favorite, as they should be. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Jacks finished last, the eight and five. They lost three of their last four, right. something like that. You know, they d- didn't exactly close the line of momentum. Then, like I mentioned, Kate Johnson leaves, quarterback question mark. I mean, I, I, I think it's fair. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jacks finished second. I wouldn't be surprised if they won it. Um, but I don't think that's like some big slide or anything. Well, I guess we'll, they'll, they can separate. Well, they're playing each other right away. Uh, so that'll be fun to watch. And we'll get more football thoughts next week. All right. So with uh, maybe ju- the time for one or two more items, uh, do you? Do you know? Can you tell? I mean, what is going on with Noah Friedel? He didn't get he didn't get to play this weekend. Was that the game they lost? They, they uh, he sp- played 17 minutes on Saturday, played yeah. poorly, yeah. and basically didn't play the second half. Then did not dress on Sunday. Uh, Hendo said in his uh, remarks with Tyler that it was a mutual decision that him and Noah had made the decision together that they were not going to play. Mm. Uh, I had a brief conversation with Hendo this morning. Um, it was an off the record conversation and it was pretty apparent that Hendo is you know, trying to be respectful of Noah right now. I will just say he's not suspended. He's not hurt. Uh, it certainly does not appear that Noah is in trouble. Um, it just sounds like he's dealing with some things right now mm-hmm. that are on a personal nature. And frankly, if that's the case, it's not really any of our business. And that's yeah. what I said to Hendo. I go, if this is a basketball thing, I want to know what's going on. 
if it's a personal thing, then, you know, it's none of my business. And he indicated it was it was the former. Well, or, excuse me, the latter. The latter do we have an indication if he's going to play this weekend against North Dakota State? Because those are obviously huge games. Hendo has his uh, weekly press conference on Wednesday. Okay. We'll ask him then. Yeah. And so they so and percentage uh, percentage wise, Jacks are tied with NDSU and USD and. Uh, it's Jackson Bison this weekend in Fargo. USD has Oral Roberts, who just split with the Jacks. So it's getting fun. Uh, they're they're having some of the top teams playing each other uh, with the Summit men. The women, there's not a lot to talk about at the moment because the Jacks are running away with it. Maya Sellen was the conference player of the uh, week again. Is she going to be the conference player of the year? There's probably no doubt, right? Best season ended today, she'd have my vote. Yeah, yeah. best player on the best team. Uh, is she getting up there? I mean, I don't know if she has the longevity as far as how long she's been this good uh well she can still play two more years i mean okay. this year doesn't count and I mean, she's only a junior so. so and that is when the battery ran out on my computer yeah just cutting off matt zimmer in mid-sentence there uh he went on to say that you know macy miller had a michael jordan-like existence with the jacks she had so many huge games and huge moments at the end of big games that that will be a tough legacy to eclipse but Maya Sellen will have the chance to do it she's but a junior and now big weekend with North Dakota State this weekend the Bison women are actually good now uh, been a while and uh, final week of the regular season next week and then the summit tournament after that possibly probably NCAA tournament after that plenty of chances to make a lot of marks for Maya Sellen and we will get into more of that Next week, uh, we're going to be probably really hyper-focused on Jacks and Yotes and Summit League and even some Augie and USF hoops because it's crunch time for that time of year for those programs. And this is partly what we do. We were going to do more of it today, but I, uh, I found it very interesting talking about uh, covering sports in these COVID times with Mr. Zimmer, who, by the way, I called back and said, hey, found my battery <laughs> it was just it was downstairs in a different room uh, my husband was using this computer earlier today and uh, had it charged up down there and uh i uh, forgot about that so I, I got the battery you want to you want to do another five or ten minutes and he said no, i'm good so i guess we're good uh we'll leave some things on the cutting room floor uh that included his coverage of dave krauth over the years augustana's women's coach had his 1000th career victory 1000 how many coaches do you ever hear of winning a thousand basketball games it's absurd but uh, dave has been a head coach since 1974 or five and that's 45 years and uh you know he pumps out about 20 wins, at least 20 wins almost every year at Augustana. He's never had a losing season. That's remarkable in itself. 32 years at Augie, 32 consecutive winning seasons, 21 of them with 20 wins. Uh, he just kind of rolls out of bed and produces great teams, but it's because he knows how to develop players, and he's, he knows how to coach. He's just a freaking great coach. And uh, there is a lovely tribute to him as he won his 1,000th career game combining his uh, 32 years at Augie and then his years before that as a high school coach, uh, both boys and girls hoops in both Iowa and South Dakota. Uh, rather remarkable. doesn't happen very much these days. If you're a high school coach, you're probably going to be a high school coach. But uh, he went from being a high school head coach to a college head coach back in 1989 and has turned out to be at this moment uh, the fourth all-time wins leader in, I believe, NCAA Division II history or active college women's. I don't know. Zim has those... Uh, Zim has those platitudes in his story that he wrote covering the Augie win over the University of Sioux Falls 
by the way, Dave Krause, alma mater, and by the way, coached by uh, one of his former pupils, Travis Traphagen. Uh, so it was uh, kind of uh, serendipity, really, for, for Dave Krause to get number 1,000 and against USF in a home game at the Pentagon. They played a really cool video, which was all six minutes worth of tributes from his daughters who both played for him. So if you didn't, if you didn't check that out, uh, A, read the story Zim wrote about Krauss 1000th victory uh, and also watch the video that Augie put together with his daughters, um, just kind of remarking about how uh, wonderful of a coach and human he is. And Pam Gold, the athletic director at USF, played for him a while back. And um, he's the Yoda man. He is the Yoda of uh, college basketball, of coaches, period, around these parts. He's just the old wise one. Uh, he's in his early 70s, and he just sounds, every time you talk to him, he's so calm. He's got such a great, a deep voice and uh, so relaxed. He said he used to be a lot more intense and a uh, bit of a fit thrower at his players and the refs, and now he's so calm over there on the bench. Uh, and just a really nice dude to chat with. I, I miss chatting semi-regularly with guys like Dave Krauth, um, Tom Billiter, Chris Johnson, Travis Trapig, and those coaches at those Division II schools and the and the Jackson Yotes men's and women's coaches. They're all delightful. I miss doing a daily radio show, getting to talk to those folks. But uh, it's nice to talk about them and their teams, and we're going to do it a lot more down the stretch. Uh, so be looking forward to that. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of baseball things I wanted to get to as Zim, pitchers and catchers reporting, uh, his thoughts on the Twins offseason moves and non-moves, and uh, some of the big decisions Major League Baseball made that I don't think are great uh, ideas for the fans. Uh, but uh, guess what? We're probably going to have a podcast next week. I hope we do. And uh, we'll have lots to talk about then. So, for Matt Zimmer, I'm John Gaskins reminding you, whether you go in there or just get takeout, uh Eat at the Gateway Lounge. Drink at the Gateway Lounge, West 41st Street in Sioux Falls, just off the uh, 41st Street exit of I-29. It really is the cheers of Sioux Falls sports bars. It's got a great homey feeling to it while also being newly renovated uh, with 30-plus TVs and uh, not only a, a terrific place to watch sports, but... Uh, if you're like Zim and you're just not going to restaurants, it's the pandemic, you're waiting for people to be vaccinated and uh, for, for cases and deaths to go down, get takeout because they are a local business worth supporting. Uh, get takeout from the gateway. And uh, when we're vaccinated and a lot of you are vaccinated, then uh, we'll probably be back there doing the show from there, person to person, face to face, and uh, still having to rely on me knowing where my goddamn battery for my computer is. But, uh, you know, we put up a good 40 minutes today. I appreciate you for the last five where it's just been me with my verbal diarrhea. And uh, we'll talk again next week on Nobody's Listening Anyway. Stay warm, friends. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need another round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.